Welcome to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Teibel Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is the curmudgeonly Howard Teibel. And you're saying that because you know that I'm a boomer and you're a Gen Xer. <laughs> yeah, exactly was that right. where you were going? And we are meant not to understand one that another. That is a mind meld right there. <laughs> That's what this show the is all about today. I am the most uncurmudgeon yeah. baby boomer you know. <laughs> this is this is the episode where Howard yells at young people. <laughs> yeah, you're not so young. Don't you cannot you're you're the guests might not know that or the audience might not know that, but you are not as young as you think you hey, are. I wear hoodies uh, with style. That's all I you do need too, to know. And it looks really awkward. You're right. <laughs> This is uh, we're, we're going to be talking about decision making and generational uh, differences here, and I think this is a really interesting conversation. Before we dig in, head over to tybelink.com, learn more about us and our work in education. Subscribe to the show for free. Just click the blue button. You'll join our email list, and every time we send out a new episode, a new episode gets posted. You'll you'll get it right in your inbox. Uh, it's very very handy, and and we appreciate your patronage there. Okay, so you were asked to put together a uh, a presentation that connected or sort of of uh, adapted your decision-making model with these generational differences uh, in the workplace. And how do you motivate, um, you know, people in the workplace that come from a vastly different generation than, and, and sort of cultural balance than you do? And I think that's really fascinating because only one uh, client has asked you to do this. And the first thing I thought of when you told me this story is, oh, my goodness, I think maybe more people should be asking you to do this. Yeah. I, Don't you, know, you think? I mean, is that crazy? No, there's no question. When I, so first of all, as you know, I like making our workshops very interactive. So one of the things I did is I put up a slide so that people could understand who they were, which surprised me a bit, and I actually shouldn't have, is that people, for the most part, don't know what designation they're in. Right. So many people don't even know whether they're Gen X or Baby Boomers. And the truth is, is that there's a boundary here that, you know, where there's a two or three year period, you could be in either. And then there's a question of what you relate to. So once we got clear where we are in that scale, I had people that were uh, in the 50 and up, which are the boomers, approximately 30 and up in Gen Xers, partner up together. And then I asked the millennials who are under 30 to raise their hands. And I said, all right, I want you boomers and Gen Xers to come together, sit down with the millennials, and I want you to talk about what you believe are the strengths of both sides and also the weaknesses. And it played out exactly as you read about in the media, as you listen to TED Talks, is that there is a lot of negative uh, views of the other side, you know. So for the for the younger generation, it's the fact that the older ones are slow to change. You know, it's the classic view of people who are uh, in the upper reaches in their career and they're sort of stuck in their own ways. And then the boomers and Gen Xers saying the millennials, all they're looking for is uh, work where they can. Uh, make an impact, but they don't want to focus at all on conventions. They, If they're not satisfied, they're going to go do something else. And what's fascinating is, is that I did some research, and it is the case that there was a, there was a Pew Research uh, article that was done, and it showed that already we're talking about close to 50% of the workforce is in that millennial or under 30 range. And they are mixing now with a generation 
boomers will be working themselves out. Gen Xers are going to become, in a sense, the new boomers, whatever they, if they still call them Gen Xers. But the idea is they're going to become the, tra the traditionalists or sort of this is why we do things. And because we have three generations in the workforce right now, I think there is a need to have more of this conversation. So for me, Pete, the decision-making model, we have a hard enough time making any effective group decisions. And now we are trying to understand how to integrate those who think differently from us because of how they've entered the workforce. And I want to talk today with you about that because what's great is you and I come from a slightly, you know, you're a Gen Xer, right? <laughs> yes, I watch uh, reality bites every see, weekend. See, I love I love that you like you, you uh, almost take yeah. offense to the fact that what do you think I'm over 50? I know you're a kid. I get it. But but for us to sort of discuss some of the differences here for people to start saying, you know what? We got to put some more energy into thinking about how we're integrating three different generations or designations into the workforce. So how did this go? I, you know, as you let's let's start looking at, at some of these major character uh, differences or these sort of cultural acceptance uh, or, or these sort of cultural adaptations of each of these groups. And uh, and then we, we need to map them to the to making good decisions. All right. So here's one distinction I think that's really helpful for the audience to think about. It was what motivates your workforce. And there was a study. There were a number of studies that were done. And I created this matrix based on different studies. And one of the questions was, what motivates you as a boomer, as a Gen Xer? And so they took different generations above 50, above 30, uh, and, and uh, yeah, above 50, above 30, and then below 30. And for boomers, it was you are valued and needed. That was an overarching view of those who are – and I'm a boomer, so I, I, I resonate with that, this idea that my work is valued and I'm needed in the workforce. The Gen Xer reflections from the study was that you, you're not only valued, but you can do it your own way, and it's okay to break the rules. And they brought that mindset – to the work that they were doing as they were entering the workforce into their 20s. Millennials then take it in these under 30s is that their value was that they're going to work with bright, creative people, that they're going to be in an engaged environment, that what you're doing how you get the work done is secondary to the fact that you they want to be engaged actively and it makes perfect sense because they're there this is the generation that has had so much kind of immediate feedback you know one of my employees is a millennial and she said you know i grew up with constant feedback constant positive reinforcement as well as feedback through technology and 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 the texting world and as a result i i need to be engaged all the time mm -hmm. so that that motivation, the the importance of that is that if what motivates you will drive how effective you are, how much you bring yourself to your to your work. I'm curious for you, Pete. Is that true that for you, on some level, having flexibility to do it your own way or to break the rules 
is a value. Yeah, uh, it's a huge value. And I think that's, a, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more and more uh, people of my generation who are looking at alternative ways to work. And I think in that mm-hmm. regard, uh, we are learning something or it's, it's releasing some sort of latent behavior by watching the way millennials work, you know, that there is real value to working yeah. with bright, creative people that in fact, you know, when you approach, uh, when you approach me with this idea that young people have to start out in the job market like I did, and, uh, and you know, they have to start in the mailroom and collate, and they have to do a lot of stapling and filing or something, you know, you know sort of Paying your work. dues, yeah, right? paying your dues. Paying your dues looks a lot different today. And, and a, a bright young millennial comes in and sees that sort of scut work, and they say, okay, there's a technological solution to this. I'm sure I can find a creative way about around this. I'm going to build it because building a solution to a, a stupid problem is much more motivation motivating than doing it manually because you paid your dues that that way that's right so you pay but here's the problem with that the interpretation yes that's left with others is you have individuals who are impatient and are unwilling to understand not this is how we do it but there's something to learn and i actually think millennials do want you know there's there's a study that they don't want bosses they want coaches yeah. which is a brilliant concept, right? This idea that I want someone to mentor me. I don't want someone to be my boss. And there was a generation where it was more, the, the older generations wanted a boss. Why? Because a boss will tell you what to do. A boss is, is accountability. It is stability. Right. It is A mentor all of those is things. teach me, yeah. help me be more effective. And what, what, what I'll tell you is, we are we have not trained boomers and gen xers to be mentors we have we have brought them into the workforce and and i'll reflect on higher education and and higher ed is typically a couple of years behind what the for profits are doing in terms of organizational effectiveness so they're even further behind in thinking about how to integrate a younger generation that is interested in making a difference you know higher eds uh sort of superficial selling point is you come work here you're going to have stability it has a social value and with those two things you're also going to get paid less and you need to you, you need to understand that i mean i can't tell you the number of people i've talked to that Choosing a career in higher education uh, require that they not have the value be that they're going to make uh, a lot of money, uh, and that and that many, especially on the administrative side, if you move up in administration, could be making a lot more in the for profit. But they're choosing this because there's a lot of great value in it from a from a mission based and also the nature of working in this kind of stable, really exciting uh, environment that's evolving. And the the generation of boomers and traditionalists, especially those over 70, which are mostly out of the workforce, but not entirely, they are going to be replaced by a generation of Gen Xers who are going to be either taking advantage of 30-year-olds excitement and enthusiasm for breaking the rules even more and saying we want to have change happen uh, in a rate that maybe you're not even comfortable with and i'm telling you that what 
what I think is most exciting is that we we need to find a way to encourage more of that kind of breaking the rules, doing things differently, uh, being innovative, experimenting, taking risks, being willing to fail. And our leaders, which are going to be the millennials and still the boomers, need to start saying, are we going to allow that generation come in and learn in that way because they are going to be our future leaders? And I don't think higher ed is prepared for this yet. I no, don't... I think, and, and in fact, I think you're missing a point, uh, which is that higher ed, the model of higher education, is already being supplanted by other ways to learn that are being built by Gen Xers and millennials. Millennials are accustomed to just-in-time education. You need to learn something, go to lynda.com. Go to one of these, these things that, that will teach you a skill quickly like that online, you know, give you great feedback and traditional ed. Why would a millennial who's accustomed to learning with new tools like this and new modes for approaching education, why would they want to go work at a place that celebrates the arcane? Well, right? that's, that's, that's one that's of the things that I get back from the people yeah. that I deal with, these young people in education who leave my institution because it isn't changing quickly enough, because they aren't able to work on the projects that engage them that address yeah. tomorrow. But, They're yeah. always supporting yesterday. That's the common well, sort of mentality that I'm hearing about listen, young if, people. If, and if I was running, if I was a uh, chief academic officer or the chief business officer, I would be looking for those folks and giving them the kind of projects so they can sink their teeth into them. At the same time, I'd be making it really clear there's a model here that's still in place, and it it's the model that you probably went through, millennial, and you got your degree for the most part, most of us, from still going through a four-year experience, or maybe you went back to school, and there's this new model that's emerging. You need to find a way to be willing to learn the foundational approach that still exists while we're reinventing where it's going. And that, again, gets back to, from my perspective, willingness to have patience. And the dilemma that the older generation has is the younger generation wants not just uh, to feel like they're working on things that can have immediate impact. They want even more flexibility in terms of how they work. And if you think about how we typically in the workforce get things done is we come together and have a meeting. And I can't tell the number of times where meetings get canceled because people don't show up or they're late to work. What, we're, what we have now is an environment where people want the flexibility to work very different hours or work from home. Higher ed struggles with this, and I do too. There's something about having people be face-to-face in the workplace. If you're running an organization that you want to build that kind of camaraderie and you lose some of that when you offer the kind of remote working or uh you know video conferencing it is not the same so there has to be an appreciation on both sides and dialogue that that to me is the foundational thing i'm going to tell anyone listening to this is that you got to find a way to sit down with your different generations and open a conversation about what motivates you in being here. What are you looking to get out of this work? And start to have these conversations about uh, 
how we look at the world differently and some of it's related to our age. That's that's the thing that I think is really important because I, you know how often do you hear uh, managers, leaders, administrators say, "Oh my gosh, it's so frustrating." These millennials, they just they won't stick around, they won't yeah. commit without asking the question, "Why?" That's right. So I think that's really where we're going here is is at least have the conversation because I can you know as somebody who you know you and I have been working together remotely for going on ten years. Yeah, I, I don't even know what you look like anymore. You know, I think it's so important. I, you know, I I hear you say uh, video conferencing it's not the same, but to what standard? And and maybe the responsibility goes both ways. Is that you know right. it is as important for uh, you know millennials who desire alternative work arrangements to come in with a, a clear and honest and and open sort of and patient approach to to change in the workplace as it is for boomers who've been running a department for you know now decades and uh, don't like change and yeah. are, are confronted by people not wanting to come to work every day to say okay really what what do we need in the office versus, you know, what do we just need to get done? Well, see, here's the other piece that I think is lost in this conversation. We sort of act like now that we've got these designation, this is a new concept. Yeah. This, what we're talking about has happened in every generation. Every every time a generation goes through a 20-year period, right? And I say 20 because once you get to your 20s, you begin... You know, you've been through your parents taking care of you, and now you're entering the world, and you're you're make, you're creating your own identity. So that's in some ways why it falls into these under thirty, under fifty, under seventy. But and then we've got these somewhat arbitrary designations. I mean, the really only true in the research that I've done, the only true designation. Uh, was for the baby boomers, right. which the Census Bureau cre- came up with this. Gen Xers was created by the Harvard Center. Millennials was another take on this idea of um, – I'm sorry, Millennials and Gen Z uh, were designed by you know just an independent review, and then Tom Brokaw came up with the greatest generation, generation, and it was a way to talk about each other. But – Every generation goes through this, and I, and, the, and I think the dilemma with the labels, Pete, is that the labels have been used to talk about either the generation before you or after in a way that talks about how they're not different. It's almost like the grandparents not relating to the children, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that what— what we need to recognize is that it's normal that we can't entirely relate to a generation coming up, and there's nothing truly uniquely bad or good about the generation behind us. It's the nature of the next generation to start making their own rules. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's really interesting. I, I was reflecting as we were just started this conversation about my experience being a 20-something, you know, and, and it was ridiculous. This conversation around, oh my gosh, you're never going to make it in the workplace. People don't understand you. Gen Xers are going to cause the, the fall of civilization uh, because they don't care about, they don't value work, they don't value hard work, they just want to hang around in Seattle and listen to Nirvana and drink coffee. And that's very much where the, you know, Portland's reputation for this is where young people go to retire. Uh, All of these things kind of come around this sort of, uh, you know, derogatory language around Gen Xers. And that faded. uh, But I remember it as being 
really stupid. Uh, what was your reflection as a baby boomer from, you know, the, with the over 70 crowd now? Do you remember this same sort of, of, of rift? Was it just as silly? Well, you have to understand, I'm I'm on the early, I am uh, uh, sort of the younger of the baby boomers. I'm not right on the edge, so, yeah. you know, I'm in my mid-50s, and, you know. Yeah, I think you the, and I are closer because I'm smack middle, or on the high end, but close middle of Gen X. You know, I, I think the story for the baby boomers, I remember, was thinking more about, the, there was just so many of us. Yeah. And we were the ones that were bringing this whole influx of children into the world. And and I just remember the, the class sizes exploding for our kids, you know, as kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And I, and I do believe that this designation that were valued and needed, I, was, I always felt like... Uh, I, you were the future. I, I felt very positive about the opportunities. Uh, it it feels like that as we move down the generation, and it's almost like we have so much social media that we're, we try to put sound bites around some of these ideas. So there's one designation or a sound yeah. bite that for Gen Xers, that work, like the concept of work, is a difficult challenge. And that was a number of reflections that they did through the study, and they, they sort of collated that into that concept or that sound bite. And that for millennials, that work is a means to an end. I mean, it's a clever way of trying to make a distinction between these different groups. But I think what's most important is that we don't get hung up in this idea that the other generations are so significantly different. We've got to find a way to sit down, drop the labels, and then have a conversation about what motivates you, what are you looking for, uh, in a way, so I understand how you can work and be most productive, and then ultimately, are you connected to what we're doing to our mission? And that, that's so. Really... In some ways, we've come full circle in the conversations. We started off talking about these designations. What I'm where I'm coming to even in this conversation is we have to know that they're there, but we cannot get stuck in them. I think that's really important. And and you know, back to to the baby boomers. I mean, the reports of the baby boomers were, you know, because there are so many of them. It was, you know, you you are our future. You are the national highway infrastructure. You are flying cars. You are everything that the future is going to be is on your backs. And I think in many respects, the millennials have that same opportunity because when you find that thing that connects to this millennial generation, when you find that passion, when you find that that whatever the next thing is that really engages tomorrow in millennials, they will build anything. They are creative, they are passionate, and they are yeah. interested in building something great that it, that makes tomorrow better than today. But and they, I can't we can't, they, they can't relate. They can't relate in some ways to... I mean, what's interesting is think about how, for them technology is is um like on their hip that's attached to them it's like it's who they are i i don't i've fallen into checking my cell phone uh but i don't i i have to put my cell phone away to focus what i struggle with when i watch people who have who are younger than me is seeing that it doesn't appear doesn't appear that there's any differentiation between staying connected 
over texting and whether it was personal or professional and staying focused on work. And I think this is one of the things that I mentioned to this group when I had this conversation. I said, you know, we always had this conversation about working hard and and we we have an interpretation what working hard looks like. And then everybody knows that it's really not about working hard but working smart. So if I come in the office and I see a group of people and they've got their computer on and they're texting or they got their cell phone open, I have this private conversation going on. How do I know they're working smart? Working hard looks like something very superficial, right? You got your papers out in front of you. If you're the boss, you you want to look at your staff and say it looks like they're working hard. But in, in fact, we all know it should be about working smart. The question is, how do you how do you get to a place where working smart has some kind of metric that we know what that looks like? And I don't think we figure that out yet. Yeah, I you know, I think it's you know, having that sort of conversation on your teams and cultivating that mentor relationship, you figure out what that metric looks like by delivery. And that's that's so much of what that's you true. Know, the people that I work with who are millennials, they 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 don't want to be managed to metrics, they want to be managed to results. Like when I'm finished with this thing, and can I do that thing again next time faster than before? You'll have it when it's done. You know what I mean? And and so um, there, yeah, there's... Well, that's great. Can I say, listen, what I love what you're saying there because this is the reason why I think uh, those of us who have been in the workforce a lot longer struggle because they're asking for, tell me what the result is that you're looking for. And sometimes it's hard to, to actually quantify an outcome. So what what happens is, is that we don't effectively quantify, here's what the goal is. And as a result, we don't give the kind of direction to what they really need, which is, here's the end result. You figure out how to make it work. We know how to map out a process. We know how to say, all right, here are the things you should be doing, but that doesn't necessarily get to the result. And they're sitting there going, don't try and control me and tell me how to do it. Tell me where you want to end up and I'll figure out how to get there. Yeah, I, and I think that's the that's the point. And and in some cases, it's really hard to let go of that. Our instinct is, I'm going to tell you what to do and how to do it. But so much of their instinct is, tell me what to do, and when I run into trouble, I'll ask you how to do it. Uh, and and that's hard to do. But in many respects, some of the best advice that I ever got when I became a manager was, uh, be careful uh, about how you manage younger people because uh, it, it, they are going to replace you. And it is in your best interest to try to adapt to as much of making them successful, their behavior, helping you be successful culturally, than to force them to adapt to something that is oh, yeah. that is not. Because you will be replaced by them. Their culture but, will not right. change as a result of what you say. It will not change. If it feels like it's changing, it is just a. Uh, it's just you know hiding. They're just hiding until you're out of the way, and they can make something great that really yeah. resonates with them. But then, that, how that, do you I know the difference? I love that and. The question with that is how do you know when giving them giving not them i I talk about you know you giving people who are new at a certain job let's say they're they get brought in they they have this enthusiasm the difference between letting them go and then also making sure that 
they get the benefit of all of your experience and that you can impart upon them things you've learned that they should be taken advantage of. And that's that requires uh, really an openness. If it really is the case that millennials would love or the younger generation would love mentors and not bosses, which I love the concept, then there needs to be sort of an explicit understanding what that means and and then a dialogue. That could be yeah. so powerful. Well, could you imagine an office in... of mentors versus yeah. a, an, an office of bosses? Yeah, because the, the best question you can possibly ask to somebody who you're about to give a, a function to is, do you want do you want to sit down and hear how we've done this before? Can, exactly. Do you want that information? Would that help you right now? If not, get out of the way. We started this off talking about the decision-making model, right? The, specifically, we've done whole podcasts on the decision-making model. How does this, why is this important in the context of, of coming together and making decisions as a team with mixed generations? I'm going to answer this in two ways. One is about the decision-making model that I've been teaching for years now is really about understanding why something's important and really uncovering what the problem is versus just solving something before you understand it and really having a vision for the future. It's about putting that conversation up front as opposed to diving into running a work plan before you really even know where you're going to go. So I think that to the point of a generation coming in saying, we, we want to make a difference. We want to know what the outcome looks like. The model that is that tells the story about how to navigate a conversation is really about putting front and center, here's what success looks like. Here's why it's important. And here's a way of thinking about problem solving. And no matter what generations you have in the workplace, what this does is gets everybody in the same team. And if it's the case that the younger generation wants meaningful work where they're, where they're engaged in something that's going to make a difference, this is the conversation that has to happen and will engage them to feel connected to the mission. So that's one way I want to answer the question. The second way is around higher education or education in general, is that there is still too much talk about this is why we're doing it this way because this is how we've always done it. And we're challenged by how many, how willing are we to break the rules and experiment and try new things, whether it's online education, whether it's articulation agreements with other types of learning so that students can, in some sense, unbundle their education and provide even more value to them. And the only way that's going to happen is if we push on our own sense of what it means to get the job done. And I would, I'm, I'm going to speculate in the next 10 years, one of the real assets the younger generation is going to bring is forcing those of us who have been doing this a long time to start thinking and thinking differently that that they're going to push us to say you need to think differently if you want to have this outcome if you want to have your enrollment stay up if you want to not have the 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 the, the finances continue to go up at 5% a year for for students and the cost of education we need to think differently and there's not enough of that and so much of it's about getting more groundswell from people internally to to push leaders 
And these are going to eventually be the leaders, push leaders to say, all right, we're going to experiment. And Mm -hmm. that's why I'm excited. I I think it's you said something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Uh, There is such hubbub around unbundling of cable channels, right? I I only want to buy the channel that I want. I want HBO. I don't want the knitting channel. But why do I have to get all those together? I have a feeling that education is the next big unbundling. Uh, that that this is going to force us to think about economic models that allow you to get education even from the very biggest edu- biggest institutions uh, in, in a, a completely new way. That's right. And and we're not going to have a choice because again, we will be replaced. And there are people that recognize that and want to get ahead of it. And then there's those of us who are working inside our institutions that are saying, you know what, that's that's been the threat forever. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. Uh, and what's happening, it's happening slowly and quietly. And I think one day we're going to wake up and we're either going to see, if you're working in an institution, that we really have been preparing for a new way of thinking about delivery of education, or we're going to say, oh, my God, we have let others capture those new methodologies, and we are now 10 years behind them, and then you're really in trouble. It's a scary story, but the truth is I think this is probably the most exciting time to be in higher education, and that's why the younger generation, uh, getting the right people in there to engage them could be the most powerful thing unless – what you want to do is just keep it the way it is. If if, if what you want to do is not rock the boat, uh, then don't go out of your way and bring in folks who are going to bring a mindset around why are we doing it this way. And if what you want to do is bring change in, you got to get your hiring practices to focus on people who are willing to be courageous, ask tough questions, be creative, uh, and 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 demonstrate a certain optimism for change. So I, I am super excited, even though I'm old. <laughs> We're going to end with that, even though and I'm we, old. We will. I got to go put my hoodie back on. I'm, I've got a little chill. Yeah. Uh, hood you up. Can see, you can see your future, Pete, and it's uh, me. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Yes, exactly. This has been a great conversation, Howard. Thank you so much for bringing it to uh, everyone's attention. This is a, a, I hope this helps uh, folks think about their, their future hiring practices and management practices. Uh, on behalf of Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright, and we will catch you next time on Navigating Change, the education podcast from Teibel Inc.